Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, But First Pivot. I'm Danny, registered dietitian, certified sports dietitian, and CEO of Pivot Nutrition Coaching. I'm here to share my all foods fit approach and real life client success stories to inspire you to pivot away from all the fad diet nonsense and confusion. My goal is to simplify nutrition so you can enjoy foods you love like donuts and pizza and still achieve your health, performance, and body composition goals. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. I'm so pumped for today's episode because Trisha Ryman is in the house with me to talk about all things pelvic floor therapy. I've been working with Trisha for about two months now, and I still feel like I don't know anything about pelvic floor therapy. So today, I'll be learning with you guys, and I'm just going to drill her with all the questions. Trisha, are you ready for this fun? I am, yes. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. Now, before we start answering all the questions that people submitted, so if you submitted a question through Facebook, Instagram, thank you guys so much. It's so helpful to have real, real life questions from people who are curious about pelvic floor therapy. But I'd love to know, Trisha, how you specifically got into the pelvic floor therapy specialty, because like dietitians are not all the same. Some dietitians do food service, sports, oncology, and then physical therapy has many different types of PT. So how did you decide to go into the, how did you decide to go the pelvic floor route, I guess? I decided to go the pelvic floor route after having my own kids. So I have a three and a five-year-old boy. And prior to that, I was just doing outpatient orthopedics, but I really found the need after having my two sons and going through pelvic floor issues myself, that it was a needed field in our area here in Grand Forks. And that led me down the path of training to become a pelvic health therapist. So how long have you been doing pelvic floor therapy specifically? Two years. So I was with a position before that they had a super strong pelvic health team, which I had awesome mentorship with them. And that's where I gained all of my knowledge. Sweet, sweet. So I guess the the real question is, or the first question, let's keep it simple, but also I don't know the answer. What is the pelvic floor? So many may think the pelvic floor is just some muscles within our pelvis, okay? But it's really external, internal muscles throughout the pelvis. And then that incorporates the diaphragm, the hip muscles, our core, the back. So it's much more than just that small area in our pelvis. I feel like people just think like it's the floor of the pelvis. Exactly. Now, why is it important to have a strong pelvic floor? So it's important to have a strong pelvic floor to help with your symptoms, whether you're dealing with incontinence or prolapse, so to speak. However, a lot of people think that you specifically just need a strong pelvic floor, but you can have a strong pelvic floor and still be dealing with a bunch of issues because you may be very tight and need to lengthen the muscles, or you also could be weak, and that can lead to issues as well. So there tends to be, it's not just a matter of strengthening the pelvic floor. We have to look at a lot more than that, in addition to pressure management. So people will think, I'm having pelvic floor symptoms specifically, but it may not be just pelvic floor. It's everything throughout that whole area. So initially you mentioned prolapse. Can you explain what that means? So prolapse is where it can be the uterus, 
the rectum, our prolapsing bladder through the vaginal opening or the rectum. And that is just where you're bulging. So people feel like there's pressure down there or something's falling out of them. Doesn't sound like a good feeling. It really isn't. Now, what are some common signs of a weak pelvic floor or maybe just signs or symptoms that many people experience and they reach out to you? So if we have listeners that are like, I don't know if I should reach out to a pelvic floor therapist. These are the symptoms I have. Can this person help? So what are some common symptoms that are a sign to go see a pelvic floor therapist? That's a great question. Um, If you are leaking, having incontinence with laughing, sneezing, coughing, running, jumping, physical activity. If you're having incontinence when you have that urge to go to the bathroom and you can't quite make it there. Pain with intercourse is another one. Or pain with insertion of the tampon. Having back or hip pain. A lot of people don't know, but treating the pelvic floor can actually help decrease back or hip pain as well because of their direct connection there. Um, Those are some of the symptoms and signs that people will complain about that they tend to reach out with. But a lot of people also just think, oh, I'm leaking as I get older, or I had a kid, it's normal to have incontinence. It's not normal. It's something that we can help with. And if you don't address it, you're going to continue to live with it. So it doesn't matter if you're six weeks postpartum or 15 years postpartum, or maybe you've never even had any kids and you're still dealing with these issues. It happens. Now is the time to address it. I think it's important to note that common is not the same as normal, right? And that's in so many things in the health industry. People, they like, oh, it's normal. Everybody is dealing with this. Or, well, people say, like, it's common, right? Like, let's say a lot of people deal with incontinence. They'll be like, well, it's normal or it's common. I keep getting them mixed up, but it's... (laughs) It's common. That's not the same as it being normal. Exactly. Yeah. Finally got it figured out. It's the pregnancy brain. I just can't keep it together. (laughs) It's so real. And that's why I reached out to Trisha. Um, Not because of my pregnancy brain. Actually, it comes back to what we just talked about. You mentioned back pain. So I reached out to Trisha because I had some back pain, but I I had just got into my second trimester and I was like, well, I might as well kill two birds with one stone instead of going to my usual physical therapist, I might as well now transition to a pelvic floor therapist now that I'm pregnant and dealing with an old lower back injury. So it's kind of like, let's do it all at the same time, especially with this growing belly I got going on. So who do you typically work with? Is it mostly postpartum women? And what are the main struggles that people experience when they reached out? We already really touched on that. So let's just kind of maybe dive into the typical people that you see. Because when I think of pelvic floor therapy, I honestly thought it was for women after they've had babies. Yeah, that's a wonderful question as well. So I see a wide range of people. I will see people during their pregnancy, just like I'm seeing you right now. And then I'll see people six weeks postpartum. I may see them a year postpartum. Um, And then I see a lot of people middle age and even the elderly that are dealing with incontinence as well. So those are the typical clients that I tend to see. Um, Yeah, so middle-aged, pregnant, and postpartum. Yeah. Probably the top three. Exactly. 
What about men? Can men benefit from pelvic floor therapy? Maybe you don't have any male clients. I feel like we don't have that many male clients for nutrition because I honestly think men just don't like to ask for help. I always like to tell this story. So it has nothing to do with pelvic floor therapy, but just like to the men with the questions. I send Shane to the grocery store once in a while. I do most of the grocery shopping once in a while. I'm like, yo, I'm so busy. Go to the grocery store and buy these four things. That would take me like six minutes. (laughs) And one of the things on the list at Sam's Club were croutons because Sam's Club has the best croutons. Like those members mark croutons are life. And he comes home 45 minutes later. And I'm like, we don't live far from Sam's Club. It's like an eight minute drive. And I was like, what took you so long? And he's like, I couldn't find the croutons. I was like, did you ask someone? He's like, no, I did like four laps around the store. And then I called my friend who used to work at Sam's Club years ago. I'm like, how is that helpful? (laughs) So I just like, I just like to tell this story because I feel like men will do whatever it takes to not ask for help when it's so much more effective to ask for help. (laughs) So I guess that that's a funny story. Um, to kind of come back to the thing that most men don't like to ask for help, but should they ask for help? Like, is this beneficial for men as well? It definitely is beneficial for men. So there are pelvic floor therapists that specialize and will treat men. I, however, has not have not taken that continuing education, so I don't have a lot of knowledge in that field, but it is out there. You being an endurance athlete, I feel like that's my first thought of men that would benefit because there's so much impact on the hips mm-hmm. that that might be really beneficial for men that do endurance sports but I and wouldn't know even with men having overactive bladders just like females do men can as well um, people that are going through prostate cancer or have had surgery tend to do pelvic floor therapy as well So, Ben, it's for you, too. Exactly. And if you don't know where the croutons are, just ask. (laughs) Don't call your friend that used to work there. (laughs) So when is the best time to start working with a pelvic floor therapist? Should you go when you're pregnant, like me? I, I feel like I reached out to you just because I had this former injury that came back, and I was like, well, I need to see a PT. I might as well go see a PT that does pelvic floor to kind of, like I said, to kill two birds with one stone, or should people wait after preg- after childbirth? You should really start during pregnancy, especially if you're having issues. So once again, a lot of people will have back pain, hip pain, pubic symphysis pain, that lightning crotch during pregnancy, and most don't do anything about it. They just live with it because that's what they've seen is, you know, normal, common during pregnancy. <laughs> don't confuse me. We're not going back to that. <laughs> so, but there's so much that can be done in PT to help you manage your symptoms and make pregnancy more comfortable and get you to the end feeling better as well. Teaching you modifications of how to move, modifications of how to lift, how to breathe. All of that can be done. There's also statistics out there showing if you go to PT during your pregnancy, when you're having the back pain, pubic symphysis pain, you're going to do better postpartum and have a quicker recovery and not deal with those issues as long postpartum as well. 
Um, so if you're not having issues though during pregnancy, I definitely still recommend coming in around that third trimester because then we can start teaching you different mobility work, some strengthening stuff, um, stretching, different things that you can do to help prep for labor and prepare your body. So if you don't have any symptoms during pregnancy related to pelvic floor stuff, go in the third trimester. Yes, exactly. And if you do have issues, the earlier the better. Like I came, I think I was like 14 weeks pregnant. I didn't even have a baby bump at that point. Yep. You're like, you don't look pregnant. I was like, I know, I'm just slightly bloated looking. But now, bam, there's a bump out there. And it keeps growing. I know. You're looking good. I know, she's moving right now. (laughs) So yeah, that's really helpful to know because I feel like some people wonder on the timing. And pelvic tilts, I will say, are harder than they sound. You didn't know what the transverse abdominis was, did you? No. Nope. And how to contract it? No. Nope. My first day with the pelvic tilts, that was day one with Trisha. I was like, this is like really hard mentally. It's like when people say like rub your stomach and like tap your head. It mm-hmm. felt like one of those where my body physically wanted to do one thing and my brain wanted to do something else. But now I feel like I have it down. You do have it down. Exactly. And tilt. Yeah. (laughs) Now, every time I'm exercising in certain positions, like I can still bench press, but I'll have to start transitioning away from that supine like back position soon now that the bump is bumping. But I feel like when I lay on the bench before I lift anything, it's like tilt and then (laughs) lift. Like, I'm sitting on the bench press bench, and before I grab the bar, I, like, do my pelvic tilt, and then I grab the bar. Awesome, good. I was like, Trisha would be so proud. You know it. One of our questions that someone submitted is, what are the best ways to prep your body for baby through pelvic floor therapy and exercises? So I guess my question is, or to elaborate a little bit, is are there specific exercises that are ideal to do during pregnancy to prep for delivery? So everyone tends to be individualized because everyone's unique and have their own issues going on. So I tend to focus more on mobility, both dynamic and static stretching, and then strengthening as well. And there's certain movements, you know, that we could say give to everyone, but they may not be right for everyone either. So that's why seeking a pelvic floor therapist is going to be the most beneficial because they can really guide you on what you need as well. Just like a dietitian, Exactly. Everybody, there's like the basics, but then there's also everybody needs something individualized. And I feel like with pelvic floor therapy, like it's more anatomical Mm -hmm. versus like, yes, everybody should eat more fruits and vegetables. That's like a foundational thing when it comes to nutrition. But pelvic floor, I feel like that's like, based on your body. Right. So we got to get a little bit more specific. So don't wing it. If your friend's doing those exercises, they might not be the right ones for you. For you, yep. Now, I know that once I hit my second trimester or once I started to bump out a little bit more, we started to focus more on unilateral exercises. Look, now I'm doing more step-ups. Why is that beneficial for the pelvic floor? So we're just strengthening both sides individually to make sure that you're well balanced. Now, as you get further along, that single leg movement may not be great for you if you were to develop, let's say, pubic symphysis pain. So that's then where someone that were doing those exercises may need to pivot and do something else. I like it. I like the use of pivot there. Yeah, every time I show up, Trisha asks me about like, 
lightning crotch and all these things. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. What does that feel like? <laughs> and that's awesome. That's good. It's not there. So exactly. we're golden. Now, are there, so I feel like, you know, prescribing certain exercises don't make sense because it's individualized, but are there exercises that are like, no, like, especially in your second or third trimester that you're like, these exercises in the gym are not beneficial for pelvic floor in general? Not necessarily. No. And that's where it comes down to the person as well, because you're doing all this heavy lifting in the gym right now. You're doing pull-ups, that type of stuff. Someone else, maybe an endurance athlete, they're not doing pull-ups. Would I tell them to go into the gym right now and start doing pull-ups while they're pregnant? Probably not because they haven't done it and they don't know how to do it. So that's where it depends on what you're specifically doing in your training where it may need modifications or not. So and listening to your body, you know, if you're starting to have issues and maybe you need to back off of the training, the strengthening or the running that you were doing and take it down a notch. I was listening to a podcast episode about fitness during pregnancy and one of the things that they said that really resonated with me, especially because it's hard to modify as pregnancy continues, right? Especially active people that have trained their whole lives like myself. I was a division one athlete. So it's really weird to have to modify when I don't want to. Like I'm not lift. I'm still doing deadlifts, but way lighter than before. Like we have to be smart about this. I can't get a low back injury going into my third trimester in a few weeks. And This one line really resonated with me. I don't remember much else about the podcast, but they said when you're exercising during pregnancy, sometimes you have to ask yourself the question, can versus should. Can I do this? Yes. Should I do this? Right. And if that should I do this, if you feel like you have a weird gut feeling about it and you're like, well, maybe not, then it's like, okay, probably not. Like if we're hesitating to that question, should I do this? We probably should not at this point. Yep. And that's how I'm starting to feel about the pull-ups, right? <laughs> like I'm 24 <laughs> weeks. I can still, I did three about 10 days ago unassisted. And I'm like, sweet, I can still do them. So yes, I can do them, but it's like, should I keep doing them? And I feel like I'm getting to the point where now I'm like, probably not. Instead of like, yeah, of course. Right. So do you feel like that's a good kind of like can versus should? Yes, definitely. Question to ask yourself. Yep, 100%. And how about you, but I'm not about to be jumping anymore. Like (laughs) that's the one thing when I think exercises that should be avoided. I feel like jumping is probably number one. Obviously, some people still jump. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know how that feels good. And that, once again, is just dependent on the person. So someone may be running up until their 40 weeks or, you know, um, box jumping. If they've been doing that, they're more of a crossfitter. They're used to some of that jumping stuff. They may continue doing that and just modifying it as well. So it's just everyone's a little different in what they can do. I have so much respect for people that are running marathons eight months pregnant. Like, I see these videos on Instagram, like, on Reels, and I'm like, that is wild to me. It is. Like, good for those women, but I haven't ran in general since 2015, so (laughs) I'm not about to start running with this pregnant body. And I wouldn't recommend it since you haven't been. No, we're not going to do that. (laughs) So 
how soon should someone start doing pelvic floor therapy after birth? So we talked about before. What about after? So I would recommend six weeks once you, you know, right around that OB appointment coming to see myself if you're living in that Grand Forks area or a pelvic floor therapy in your area as well. So just allow that proper healing time and then we'll just start diving in, um, you know, with breathing and checking the muscles, all of that fun stuff to really get you back to where you're supposed to be and taking it slow. That's one of the things people think they go to the doctor and they're cleared at six weeks to resume exercise. Now, let's say you were a runner. That doesn't mean, okay, six weeks, Mark, I'm going to jump right into running. There is a lot of stuff that needs to be done to get you to that point. Otherwise, if you start jumping back into your old, let's say, fitness regimen, what you really were doing prior to maybe even giving birth or getting pregnant, you're going to end up with issues a lot quicker and probably last longer and harder to deal with than it would have been had you taken the necessary steps. So is it six weeks whether you had a vaginal birth or a C-section? So normally... C-section could wait a little bit longer, eight weeks or so. However, there's stuff that you can do coming in at six weeks that's not going to bother the scar that we're able to slowly build in. So speaking of the C-section, someone asked a question. If you had a C-section, are pelvic floor exercises something that you should continue to do forever? So that's a good question as far as for everyone, not just after a C-section. So if you are getting pelvic floor therapy, you're learning the stretching, strengthening, all of that fun stuff, it's going to be something you're going to want to maintain. So if you're not sticking up with your strengthening and stretching, whether it's be specifically what we gave you or doing your own regimen, you may end up going backwards some and regressing. So or knowing, okay, I'm starting to feel symptoms again. Maybe I need to get back and do my mobility work or add in some of that strengthening stuff as well. So not as frequent as you used to do, but it's something that we want to continue on because our pelvic floor is impacted by stress. So when we're stressed, our pelvic floor is going to take a toll. So, and people are stressed throughout their daily life on and off, right? We all have some sort of stress. We all tend to clench our glutes at times. So if we're not stretching, not addressing those things, over time, your symptoms may start to return. That makes sense. I feel like it's not harmful to continue doing your pelvic floor mobility exercises forever. Like, there's no harm in that. Exactly. And a lot of it has carryover. So you're doing stretches that you may already be doing, you know, for your back or part of your warm-up for your workout. Or if you're not working out, just making it part of your morning routine. Yeah, mine are, my pelvic floor exercises are now a part of my warm-up. And it's funny because I'm like, laying on the floor, the high school kids are warming up and I'm doing my little pelvic tilts. And then the trainer's like, you doing your Kegels? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> and I kind of feel weird because like I'm the only pregnant person in there. It's all these yep. high school kids. But sometimes I blend in with them. They're doing skater squats. I'm doing skater squats. They're like, hey, you kind of blend in. I was like, yeah, minus this, you know, pregnant belly. The belly. <laughs> I kind of stand out now. She doesn't belong in this group. So what can you do to improve your pelvic floor years after? So someone's like, I had my kids 15 years ago. I never did pelvic floor therapy. 
Is it too late? What can I do now? No, it's never too late to get started with a pelvic floor therapist because we're going to address the issues at hand. So whether you may have a tight pelvic floor, weak pelvic floor, strong pelvic floor, you're having hip issues, back issues, pressure management issues, making your symptoms worse, we're going to look at all of that and address it. So I've had people 14 years post-vaginal birth thinking they'd never run again, and now they're running a 5K, so to speak, because they're not leaking anymore. Um, So there is definitely never a time not to start pelvic floor therapy. Um, And you can start it even if you haven't had kids. You know, there's someone the other day was like, I should have my kid come in, you know, and do this. So it just everyone could benefit even if you haven't had a kid. And I feel like just as you age, there would be so much benefit to have a stronger pelvic floor as you get into your like 60s, especially exactly. 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. Now, I also will treat people with dementia, you know, so it's not when you mentioned 80s, they're dealing with incontinence. They don't know when to go. So there's a whole other side to pelvic floor therapy that can be addressed too that people may not even think about when it comes to thinking, you know, younger, middle age, um, let's get into the elderly and make sure because they can have these issues and then even some, but not think that there's anything we can do about it. And there's a lot we can do to help or teach their caregivers too. Mm -hmm. I love that. Now, how does someone go about finding a pelvic floor therapist? I know for us, when I'm like, how did you find out about us? They're like, I just Googled dietitian near me. So if someone is not in Grand Forks because you're in Grand Forks, is that what people should do is just Google pelvic floor therapist near me? And how do they find the right fit for them? Um, So definitely Googling pelvic floor therapist. And then there is a resource. I want to say it's on Herman and Wallace, which is a continuing education um, website that does a lot of the courses. We'll put in the show notes. Perfect. I believe on their site, you can search for therapists on there that have gone through like the whole capstone. So they're a certified pelvic floor therapist. Um, Otherwise, Googling and then looking at reviews, looking at what they're treating, all of that. Because some people have different specialties within pelvic floor therapy. Yes, exactly. And then does insurance cover pelvic floor therapy for most people? Yes, it does. And it just depends on your plan, how much is covered and what. And then if you're in network with the provider that you are seeing. Awesome. I know that's helpful for, I'm sure, many of your patients. Yes, definitely. Now, we probably went over some already, but what are some common misconceptions about pelvic floor therapy that maybe we didn't cover yet? I know when it comes to working with a dietitian, people think dietitians only eat healthy, dietitians eat a lot of salads, dietitians are the food police, dietitians are going to make me stop eating pizza or they're going to take away my alcohol. Like, I feel like sometimes people don't reach out to dietitians because they think we're going to take their favorite foods away. Yeah. And I feel one of my friends reached out to me last year. She was pregnant and she was like always hungry. And she's like, well, you eat 100% healthy all the time. I was like, says who? I was like, I just had jail beer two nights ago. (laughs) (laughs) Dietitians also have bacon cheeseburgers and fries once in a while. We just don't do it every day. Exactly. So what... Are there some misconceptions about 
working with a pelvic floor therapist or maybe people don't really understand what it's about? Yeah, so common misconceptions, A, that it doesn't, you know, really even exist. People don't know that pelvic floor therapy is out there. There's PTs that specialize in it. So when they find out or see that it's something that can be worked on, a lot of people will be like, I didn't even know this was a thing. Had I known this 10 years ago, I would have come. And then a lot also think, it's just about Kegels. You're going to come to pelvic floor therapy and do Kegels, which, and for those of you that don't know what a Kegel is, it's where you're contracting the pelvic floor muscles, okay? Now, PT is not just about Kegels. It is way more than that. And if you come see me, I'm not just going to have you lying on the table doing Kegels because that isn't the answer. I feel like it's in the movies. Yes. That's why <laughs> so, people think that. You know, instead of Kegel strengthening, we're going to be doing more functional, core strengthening, hip strengthening, getting you up and moving. Like Danny said, she's deadlifting, doing step-ups on the box, those types of things that incorporate the pelvic floor because our pelvic floor isn't isolated to the pelvic floor. It encompasses much more, and that's where I think the common misconception comes in. So also knowing that pelvic floor PT can help with hip or back pain. So if you're having something with the back or the hip and it's not resolving, maybe trying pelvic floor PT because we can access, we do do internal exams if you're comfortable with it. All it is is it's a one finger gloved lubed exam, but we're able to reach the deep hip rotators. And with that, you can have release of hip and back pain, which not everyone knows about. I didn't know about that. I didn't even know about pelvic floor therapy till you reached out to me about pivot. And I was like, what do you do? And you're like, pelvic floor therapy. I was like, I don't know what that means. And my first initial thought, if I had to guess, it's for people that have had babies. Exactly. And here we are. There's no baby yet. No. And we're doing pelvic tilts. So for those who don't have access to a local pelvic floor therapist, maybe someone's in a small town, like a rural area, what should they do? Are there online resources that you recommend? I know you had shared with me like an Instagram account of someone that you really like mm-hmm. to follow. So maybe a few of those resources. We'll put them in the show notes, but can you talk about a few of them? Yeah, so there's some good Instagram accounts out there. Um, Vagina Whisper is one of them. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so, and she is based out of New Orleans, um, been on the Today Show, you know, really well-recognized. Some programs are Get Mom Strong. Yes, I want to say that's it. We'll double check for the show notes to put that in there. But they will have a fitness program you can actually do. So starting with some basic core stuff and then building up. Expecting and Empowered is another one. They are, um, it's a PT out of Wisconsin and then her sister. They also have some great content, but then they have an app as well that you can purchase to do um, exercises leading up during your pregnancy to birth, and then they have postpartum as well. So those are some that are really good to follow. Yeah, so we'll put those in the show notes. I feel like some people just don't have that local access. Like, we're here together, but if I lived in the middle of nowhere, I'd be like, well, I can't go to pelvic floor therapy. Yes. So there is something online for everyone. Anything important that we haven't discussed or something you really want to make sure people hear? Like, this is the time to highlight what you want to say. 
to all of our listeners? So I just really want people to know that we are here to help and that you don't have to live with these symptoms. You don't have to live with incontinence, whether you're laughing, jumping, sneezing, coughing. You don't have to be going to the bathroom every 30 minutes because that's something that we can help with. Didn't really touch on it, but it's not normal to be going to the bathroom every 30 minutes during the day. Normal voiding interval is every two to four hours. Or getting up in the middle of the night. We should only be getting up zero to one time, where some people are getting up five times. So what is going on that's causing you get up five times at night? As a pelvic floor therapist, we address that. Having pain with intercourse, whether it's with initial insertion or deep penetration, Having tight pelvic floor muscles, that can be what's causing that. So teaching you how to relax, different techniques on how to help with that. Um, Diastasis recti, so that abdominal separation, which 100% of people typically will have, you know, once you get to that full term, that is something that we are able to address and teach you proper pressure management, working on the core, you know, during pregnancy and then postpartum as well. So those are all things, pelvic pain, what we're able to help with as well. So it's not just pregnancy, postpartum. There's a lot more that goes into it that you should be aware of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lots of things that I feel like people struggle with and that I think are normal. But they're not. Yes. They're common. (laughs) They're not normal. We got it. 30 minutes later, (laughs) I figured it out. Now, if people are in the Grand Forks area, because you do all in-person physical therapy with pelvic floor, where can people find you? How can people connect with you? So I work for Home Therapy Solutions. We are based out, our clinic location is in Parkwood, now called Edgewood 55 Plus, right off of Demers. And you can call 701 885 or 113 to get a hold of me that will come directly to me and then I will direct you to Cheyenne or I'll get all of your information and then we'll get you set up in our system and then get you scheduled. Boom. It's that simple. Call the number. Don't call Ghostbusters, everybody. That's not going to help with your pelvic floor problems. Well, thanks so much, Trisha, for sharing your knowledge on pelvic floor. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the channel and share with one friend who would benefit from this message. Need help with your nutrition? Find me on Instagram at DannyVRD or visit our website, pivotnutritioncoaching.com. Thanks for listening.